Welcome, welcome. It is I, Dent, coming to you again today, episode number two of the Smokescreen Podcast. This is a technical exploration into misinformation. We're going to look at the sources, paths, and destinations of facts, news, and primarily technical media. You can find me on Twitter at Arturo Dent. Let's go ahead and jump right into episode number two. So yesterday, I talked about a lot of different stuff. I, I rambled on. One of the main things I talked about was these, this Guccifer 2.0 analysis. This is kind of what set me off and motivated me to even start recording this podcast and talking about this. So quick review in the event that you didn't listen to that show. I saw on my Twitter feed from a friend of mine a link or a post and it was recommending some some analysis and reading on uh, what was you know essentially a some new findings. The claim was that there were new findings in the Guccifer 2.0 um, technical analysis, right? So jumping back again, this is the DNC hack. And the the fellow Guccifer 2.0 claims to be the guy that that leaked or hacked that information. Now, it is generally accepted by uh, U.S. government analysis, and I will say um, the media, in, including organizations like Slate, that this hack was directly connected to the Russians, that Guccifer was a Russian. What this analysis that I saw yesterday leads to is the idea that, no, 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 wasn't the Russians. This was an inside job. Somebody... You know, Hillary Clinton staffer intentionally leaked this to kind of frame the Russians. That's the picture that's attempted to be painted. The reason that that it that it interests me is as a technical uh, researcher and someone who's been into uh, file analysis, forensics, and these topics for a long time. I was really interested in seeing this. You know, my friend. Uh, I, I trust his, you know, he, he's also a security researcher. And so I, I got in, I started looking into this and what I noticed were some, some just blatant glaring holes in the analysis. And so I talked a little bit about that yesterday. I was kind of flying off the cuff and what I wanted to do today is circle back and do a little bit more of a deeper analysis I'll go ahead and spoil it for you and, and let you know that the technical analysis that is leveraged by this news source, if you even want to call them a news source, they, they certainly call themselves news source, but the the technical analysis is essentially uh, completely flawed, right? And so I'm going to go through a couple of the points on how that is. Uh, I'm going to follow up with you and you know really talk about what those points are and why. We're not going to spend too much time on it, though. One of my main principles of assessing misinformation is that a key component is chaos. The more time I spend discussing these pointless news stories, the more that we've kind of fallen into that trap. But in this case, just to be clear, I want to go ahead and hit on the technical points. The link was to a news site called Disobedient Media. Disobedient Media 
makes some very bold claims. One of those claims I'll read to you here from their About Us page. Successful investigative journalism relies on the ability to adapt to a fast-changing media landscape. 20 years ago, there were only a handful of different platforms to choose from. Today, not only are there virtually unlimited media outlets, but primary sources of information previously monopolized by mainstream media are available to anyone with an internet connection. The public is now able to question mainstream media's interpretation of the facts by comparing them to the very source it originated from. That's the statement I want to focus on. Question mainstream media's interpretation of the facts by comparing them to the very sources it originated from. So what we are going to do, disobedient media, is we are going to technically analyze your source. All right. Now, the article entitled New Research Shows Goose for 2.0 Files Were Copied Locally, Not Hacked. Starts out, new meta-analysis has emerged from a document published today by an independent researcher known as The Forensicator, which suggests, which suggests that files eventually published by the Goose for 2.0 persona were likely initially downloaded by a person with physical access to a computer possibly connected to the internal DNC network. The individual most likely used a USB drive to copy the information. The groundbreaking new analysis irrevocably destroys the Russian hacking narrative and calls the actions of CrowdStrike and the DNC into question. Wow. One by one. Let's, let's crush this. New meta-analysis emerged from a document. Meta-analysis, as defined on Wikipedia. Meta-analysis is a statistical analysis that combines the results of multiple scientific studies. False. This is not meta-analysis. The document that you reference is actually not a document at all. This is a link to theforensicator.wordpress.com. On that site, there are only three blog posts that have been made all this month, July 2017. That's it. This is not a long-standing forensics blog. These are three articles that have been posted in the last two days, July 9th, 10th, 10th. So your source for this information this document, you want to call it a document, I call it a blog, fine. All right, let's take a look. This groundbreaking research, what do we got here? We got three articles. Initially, we've got the analysis of the metadata itself. I'm going to hit up on a couple of these points. 7-5-2016, p.m. Eastern Time, someone copied the data that eventually appears in the NGP van zip files, the subject of this analysis. This is the file published by a persona, Guccifer 2, two months later on September 13th. Due to the estimated speed of transfer, 23 megabytes calculated in this study, it's unlikely that the initial data transfer could have been done remotely over the internet. False. First of all, megabytes, megabits. Do you know what the fucking difference is? 
megabytes, megabits. You're talking about 23 megabytes a second. Bytes, files on disk at rest. You talk about how many megabytes they are. Data transferring over the network, you talk about megabits. So you've got your megabytes and, and bits switched up. For a forensics analysis, that's a bit of a problem. You should probably know the difference between the two. Now, you're saying it's unlikely that this initial data transfer could have been done remotely over the internet? Why is that? Due to the estimated speed, have you personally audited the DNC network and do you understand the speeds that are available? No, you haven't. Making a claim such as that without any basis behind it, it's worthless. It's completely worthless. Here's my favorite. This is the one that they leaned on for this article. The initial copying was done on a system where Eastern Daylight Savings Time settings were in force. Most likely, the computer used to initially copy the data was located somewhere on the East Coast. Hey, this is, this is going back to the RAR file analysis. RAR version 4, version 5, which timestamp format is used. These guys are saying, hey, look, this zip file where it was created, the original zip file, Eastern time zone. That means it wasn't done remotely. This is the groundbreaking analysis that disobedient media is leveraging. Guess what? Almost every operating system on the planet gives you the ability to change the time zone. So that analysis, completely flawed. You can't, when you're doing technical analysis of something like this, you can't just say maybe if. That is a, now your timestamp theory is gone. You have to walk away from it. You, ha, you can keep looking. You can put it on your list of different components that you've assessed and looked at. We looked at the timestamp. We can't find anything solid there. This is the way forensics analysis works. You can't just say, because we think it was unzipped or the zip file was created in an East Coast time zone, that the computer was in the East Coast. And therefore, this groundbreaking new analysis irrevocably destroys the Russian hacking narrative. That first paragraph of this article, this small bit of technical analysis is it. I'm stopping there because this is a waste of my time. The bigger picture here is what's really fascinating and, and interesting to me is the pathway that this information flows. What is the social impact of this? If we scroll to the bottom of the article, 90 different comments, and you have, just as you'd expect, anybody that, that there's one guy that kind of poses some questions of, hey, is this, I don't really know forensics, but... I, what if this isn't sound forensics analysis and he is downvoted? He's told that, you know, um, he's going to be censored and things like that because, you know, he's being mean. I'm not really sure. I feel like putting up with Dob Bob's, the moderator, Rob Colbert says. I mean, just as a person, not saying people can't dissent against a report, etc., but tone of discussion is something we'd like to at least see remain in the realm of respectful if possible. And in this case, it's possible. There are 89 other comments, most of which, um, oh, sorry, 92 now, the comments are still flowing in, um, most of which 
are not respectful, but they are also in favor of the article. So it, it's, it's pretty obvious what's going on here. The question I have is how does this disobedient media news source claim, make these claims and then leverage such factually incorrect evidence it spreads these guys the, the question here now is is what is do they know what they're doing or do they not know did did they read this fake 4chan forensics research and think okay and, and were they confused by it because it is very clear that it's intentionally confusing at one point they talk about uh transport headers and trailers packet trailers yeah never heard of those before but is it is it that these guys don't know what they're talking about or they read it and, and they just they kind of want to believe it and they think maybe this is true because it seems technically sound or do they know a lot of research a lot of time to know that's it that's all i'm going to say about disobedient media for now I am going to keep my eyes on them. I'm going to continue my research. I did look a lot more into it last night. I'm going to leave that alone from a talking perspective on, on this podcast. I'm considering a write-up to kind of trace this bit of false technical information from source to destination because it really lands in an interesting place. Seeing that link appear on a friend of mine, a security researcher's Twitter feed, I talked to him about it this morning, and he, there's a lot to the story, okay? It involves bots, right? How that article ended up there, there's a bot involved. We're going to talk more about that at another time. I think I'm actually going to write something up on it because it's, it's too much to just ramble through. Next, yesterday I mentioned decentralized news, centralized news, as I was going through and removing some ums and doing a little bit of editing, I realized that I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about there. I love decentralization when you talk about BitTorrent, when you talk about Bitcoin, Ethereum. I love the principle and I love what we're building with these concepts and what, what I think will become the decentralized web. I was off point talking decentralized news versus centralized news. I, it doesn't really make sense in this context. There are a couple projects looking to decentralize news, and we will definitely look into some of those and talk about them at some point. Wanted to throw that out there. It's not really, uh, I don't think I was using those terms correctly. There is going to be a concept of decentralized news emerging. It's going to be really hard to do. It's going to be difficult, guys. How do we vet sources and assess things in a decentralized manner reputation it's going to be involved anyways we're not going there today where we're going an article that appeared two days ago on the cover cover whatever top front page of hacker news why news combinators hacker news front page how we hacked reddit to generate five million media impressions in three days yesterday i mentioned the scammer and how he could promote his Reddit post via, you know, darknet techniques, things like that, how to get upvotes and things. I wanted to follow up and talk about this because this is really interesting. I woke up this morning, checking my news feed, and what I see on Hacker News is a, is a link saying, hey, that blog took down their post after it made it to the front page of Hacker News, gone. 
which I thought was interesting because I had only half read the story. So I tracked down the Google Cache version, went through it this morning. I'm going to talk you guys through the scenario. We're talking about a media and PR form. The blog it was originally posted on was called Hack PR Blog. Again, it's been removed. I'll see if I can get a link to the the cached version up or, you know, I even saved it locally because I don't know how long the Google cache will keep it. But how we hacked Reddit to generate 5 million media impressions in three days by Hack Lab, April 26, 2017. The idea here is simple. You got a, a media PR or media campaign company and a politician comes to them and he says, it's a little bit unclear, let's see, a big campaign had been launched in November that had not taken off like they had hoped. The idea had received some coverage on California TV, Huffington Post, Washington Times, but they really needed much more if they wanted to make the idea happen. And a little bit of the backstory here. When you launch a media campaign, the initial idea doesn't take off on the first shot, and from there you need to hustle and make magic happen. Without the magic, it will flop. The only difference this time was that the idea had cost our client $1 million, and our ass and reputation was on the line, like never before. Our client was successfully was a successful entrepreneur who has a big political plan, who has big political plans in California. So there it is. You got a politician, successful entrepreneur, wants to be politician, goes to a media company and says, I've got a million dollars, create me a clever media marketing campaign, help me get out there. So the campaign, pretty interesting stuff. They took the idea from a popular internet political joke. Wouldn't it be nice if politicians wore the logos of their sponsors, like NASCAR drivers, so we know who owns them? It was a funny meme and it was generally received well. So they pitched this idea to the client, he received it well, gave him a million dollars. Campaign's not going so well. Huffington Post, Washington Times, apparently not enough media generated. Things are not looking good for the PR company. This is where we get into the interesting stuff. So the gentleman working the campaign, stressed out, began testing new ideas. Some quick brainstorming, set his sights on Reddit says, I follow various threads on Reddit and on a daily basis and understand the power it has to make something go viral. I just didn't know how. I knew that if I could get on, if I could get one of my links to the top of Reddit politics, I would make a pretty good chance. I would have a pretty good chance of making the idea spread. So I set that as my goal to get to the top of Reddit politics within 24 hours. Here we go. This is interesting stuff. This technique that he's about to describe, you got you to gotta think about who else is using these techniques and just having an awareness of how this stuff's done. What I did next was simple and cheap for my own personal Reddit account. I probably should have used a fake account or someone else's. He puts in parentheses there. I posted a link to our Washington Times story on Reddit politics. I went to Fiverr.com, F-I-V-E-R-R.com, and I bought every upvote package that was offered Total cost, $35. Two hours later, I came back to check the results. We were number one with over 500 comments. <clears throat> the article kind of jumps and skips there, skips here, and it next moves on to 
uh, I don't know, just jumps right into it. We had a media list built of every journalist and writer in politics and began blasting them with anonymous tips from fake email addresses. God, I love this. This is fascinating stuff. They're trending via some paid services to buy up votes on r slash politics. 500 comments. What do we what do we see here? How many points? Let's see what this picture shows. It looks like 9,835 upvotes. No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm misreading that. Um, they're not making it clear how many upvotes it has. Cal California's ballot initiative would require legislators to wear logos of top 10 contributors. There, there's the title of the Reddit post, r slash politics. You got it. So it's trending paid, paid up votes. Now, we had a media list built of every journalist and writer in politics and began blasting them with anonymous, in quote, tips from fake email addresses. And then he gives some sample tips, right? Have you seen this question mark? Just saw this at the top of Reddit. Thought you might find it interesting. Boom, boom, boom. Six email addresses. Every journalist and writer in politics blasting them with anonymous tips from fake emails. We sent these types of emails out to over 20,000 media contacts from six different email accounts. The media requests began to pour in like we've never seen. We had so many requests coming in, it was challenging to respond to them all. That is a great, great problem to have. Vice, Al Jazeera, US News, even Anonymous. And I had to check that one. This is the, uh, where is it? AnonHQ.com. It's a broad statement when you say even anonymous. AnonHQ.com wrote about the ideas. Every time we got a new media hit, we followed the same process on Reddit. Post the link to various Reddit threads, then go on Fiverr, buy upvotes, make sure we got to the top. In the first few days, we had over 50 media outlets covering our story. As the idea continued to spread like wildfire, our website began to crash. Three days alone, we received over 2 million hits to the website. Most importantly, we had over 4,000 volunteers signing up. Keeping it going. To keep our momentum going, we sent out the urgent request to those volunteers pleading for their support to spread our idea. We turned our 4,000 supporters into a media pitching machine. And they go on to describe the email they sent out. Another wave of media, media requests came from this push, and we just kept with the same process. Post on Reddit, buy up votes, repeat. Conclusion, in less than a few days, we had generated over 5 million media impressions and received over 6 million website hits. Total cost? $255 from Fiverr. This gave the campaign the boost we needed, and it was all the direct results of one thing, hustle. This was not a clear-cut path, and there was no how-to guide. It was really just making it up as we went. While this might not work with every idea, I wanted to pass on a framework that others can use to execute similar strategies. Regardless of industry, Reddit can be a very powerful tool for businesses. Blah, 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 different subreddits. This is where journalists often go to see what people are talking about. If you can get seen on Reddit, it can position you to get media requests instead of emailing journalists and asking them to cover you. Fascinating, right? $255. The, the part that I also really 
it kind of just slips in there. Anonymous tips to every journalist. You know, what does that mean? Where did they get that list? Couple things about it that I want to add. We want to be aware that upvotes are bought, paid, sold, followers. Told you about my exploration into buying followers from the dark net and how I'll be talking about that soon. That uh, campaign went through successfully. I ended up with uh, about 12.4 thousand followers. Um, Not on my personal account. This is a separate account, research stuff. So, you know, be aware, right? That's one takeaway. Another thing is that I was thinking is this idea that there seems to be a critical mass that a website reaches. As soon as it reaches this this critical mass, um, enough users means that services will emerge that allow you to buy and sell votes, followers, etc. When that that this critical point is reached, when it when the spammers, these services are incentivized to to do this, that is a turning point for the site and we need to be skeptical and very critical of getting our news there. Now, I still get plenty of news from Twitter and Reddit, right? I, that's the way it is right now, but I wanted to put a little theory behind this instead of just saying, hey, don't get news from these places or be really careful, right? I, I want to play more with this idea that there's a critical mass that a site reaches. Next takeaway, social impact, it's huge. The social impact here is huge. In this particular case, the idea of a politician wearing his corporate sponsors as logos, I think is pretty interesting. I think there's a lot of people that get behind that idea. I'm not here to talk about my my politics and views with you, though. I'm here to talk about the technology behind or in around misinformation. And so, you know, with that, how do we how do we see this idea now that we know that that campaign was seeded in such a way, right? What is there a difference? Does it mean anything differently to us? Is are these valid marketing strategies? Well, I mean, yeah, they're valid, right? They work, but social impact was huge. A lot of people. They had four thousand sign. 4,000 people sign up. That's a lot of page views and impressions. It was very successful. As these methods come and are publicized again, that article was taken down, but you know they disappear quickly, but there'll be more and there'll be others. Final thing, I'm going to wrap it up today. The system that I want to develop, that I'm thinking through as I analyze these different things with you on the podcast I want to piece together how we avoid these mistakes in the future. Disobedient media is a bullshit news source. They're citing bad technical analysis and they are clearly biased. How do I know that? I had to do a lot of research to figure that out. How do we track this information? We can't rely on Facebook to to weed out the fake news. No, we need a technical solution. I want to incorporate decentralization into this. I want to incorporate consensus mechanisms and reputation into this. I have no idea how to build something like it. Step by step, I'm going to look at these examples. Disobedient media. I want a bot that scrapes the website, that pulls down all the articles, 
goes through all the pages, looks at all the outbound Twitter links, and it starts to quantify. Let's say we're going to assess this bullshit article on Goosefer 2.0. Let's say my bot hits the site. It pulls down all the links. Where do the links go? Let's follow those links out. Let's do some analysis on those sites. Okay. What, uh, the Forensicator, how long has the blog been around? What do the DNS records look like? Collect all this technical information. It's a start. It's a very simple premise. So I'm going to work on that, see what I can put together. What I'm aiming for and what I want to look into later today, maybe talk about tomorrow, is who's already doing something like this? Graphical analysis of a news story. Can we visualize, can we plot this in some way so that I can go, oh, interesting, man. I see in your, your Twitter feed this article. Let me send that article into my, anal my analysis tool and have it come back and go thumbs down. I know it's an extremely difficult task. It's not going to be easy. This is going to help us develop the new system for news and media. Signing out, episode two. You can find me, Arturo Dentino, on Twitter. Thanks for listening, guys.